Hey guys, welcome to today's Topics on My Mind for uh, the 11th of January 2021. Yes, I do have it listed here. Normally I would do this via live stream, but you know, lately, uh, for some odd reason, anytime the computer decides to load a little bit or someone around the neighborhood decides to get onto their internet or turn on a router or something like that, there is interference. And how do I know this? Because when I check uh, the signal, basically I go to the um, icon for the internet that shows the connection. Um, it basically shows all the various other outlets out there, all the other Wi-Fi, you know, signals around the neighborhood. And basically, all of a sudden, one will suddenly pop up, like a new one will pop up. And that kind of tells me that someone's, you know, e you know either... Um, you know, starting up the internet or it's just locating an internet source or a new one or something like that. There's, there's some kind of interference. I can't really tell what it is. This isn't the first time, though, this has happened. I will let you know that. This actually happened, like, about several years ago when we lived in Patterson. Uh, this happened with my other laptop that I had. And basically what it is, is I noticed that there was a lot of interference. There was tons of interference. At times, I would lose a connection and it would be all due to the interference that of somebody else's Wi-Fi router or mobile or modem, I should say. But anyway, though, you know that's why I'm deciding to do this topics on my mind this way, due to the fact that when I tried to do it last week, something came up, especially when I tried to end it, and it just didn't work. It's like it just kept saying it was broadcasting live, like you know something was you know, glitching or something like that. I don't know if the internet went off temporarily, you know, the connection got disconnected temporarily, or the fact that YouTube was working and doing some kind of maintenance at that moment. Because I do notice that there's a lot of things that YouTube and other sites have been doing where they've been putting some, where they've been doing some maintenance, you know, while people are on their site. So, you know, maybe that's what caused it. I don't know. But anyway, that's why I'm here to do this version of Topics on My Mind. And here is the list of the topics we are going to discuss today. It's six topics, and I think you'll enjoy, you know, discussing them in the comment section if you want, or in the live chat during this premiere. Now, the first topic we're going to talk about is something that's currently going on right now. And let me get some coffee here. But like I said, it's something going on right now, and that is Trump possible impeachment and what it means for him in the future. Now, in case you guys haven't been paying attention to the news, the Democrats, Pelosi and her colleagues and even some Republicans, you know, are urging, you know, Vice President Pence, Congress and all that to implement an impeachment against Donald Trump due to what happened this past Wednesday. You know, because of the, you know, insurgence of insurrection, as they call it, due to the fact that the Capitol got sieged upon by the protesters, even though some have come out and have stated that some of those protesters may have not been actual Trump supporters, but have been domestic terrorist members. In other words, people that want to cause chaos because they're anti-establishment, they're anti-government, stuff like that. So uh, because of that, though, Congress, oh, not Congress, but the Democrats, the House, some Republicans and all that, feel that Trump is a liability even if he even though even though he's in his last 
what is it, um, his last, I guess, 10 days, his last 10 days of, in office, and even though he has said, according to numerous reports, he will not be at the inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, you know, the fact of the matter is, uh, the Democrats still want to try to get him out of office, uh, still want to get him out of office sooner than later. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, the second thing, I did a video recently on this that premiered yesterday, but we'll talk about more today, but asked the question, what caused PBS to finally pull the plug on Caillou, on Caillou, the, um, that animated show featuring that kid that acted like a spoiled brat and such. We'll talk about that and maybe what caused PBS to finally pull the plug. Uh, number three, uh, we'll talk about this. The number three topic is WB, Warner Brothers, and Legendary, Legendary Pictures, nearing a deal for Godzilla vs. Kong uh, release in both theaters and HBO Max. Now, what that means, what that topic is about right there, you know, WB and Legendary nearing a deal for Godzilla vs. Kong release in both theaters and HBO Max is due to the fact that Legendary Pictures, as maybe some of you have been listening to about, you know, throughout the internet, you know, social media and YouTube and all, all those places. Uh, basically, Legendary Pictures, along with some other partners of Warner Brothers, directors and all that, are not happy that they came out last month, you know, you know, just out of the blue and said, hey, what we're doing with Wonder Woman, you know, Wonder Woman 84, we're going to do with all our 2021 movies, you know, slated for release in this year. But we're not going, but, but here's the thing. Even though they made the announcement they want to do the same thing they're doing with Wonder Woman 84, and that's release all the 2021 uh, movies simultaneously, they didn't let any of those partners know, and this was a blindside move on Warner Brothers' uh, part, a basically a, you know, a thief in the night, you know, you know, behind, you know, backstabbing behind their back kind of move, then now Warner Brothers has to basically redeem themselves by working out some kind of deals you know, through legal settlements, you know, with Legendary and other parties involved. You know, so Warner Brothers basically has to make amends, and it looks like they're doing so with Legendary and some of their properties that Warner Brothers was going to distribute, some of their movies, as well as maybe others in the near future. So we'll talk about that and what that could mean, or we'll discuss that anyway. Number four, fan projects finally getting noticed. Now, in case you guys have probably paid attention to last year and into this year, a lot of fan projects, animated and all that, are getting a lot of attention. We know that Hell of a Boss and Has Been Hotel premiered last year in late 2019 have gotten a lot of attention. As a matter of fact, Has Been Hotel has been picked up by a cable network or streaming service for distribution in the near future. Hell of a Boss is right now a free-to-watch YouTube-exclusive through Visipop's uh, YouTube page, so that's pretty good. So that's pretty good for anybody that wants to check it out. And like I said, on top of that, it's getting a lot of attention, you know, on it along with Has Been Hotel because they originally started as fan projects. Another one is the long is the Gouch one. They got the uh, what is it? Long Gouch animated series that's coming out later this month or in a few weeks. That's going to be free, the pilot that is. That's getting a lot of attention. And speaking of fan projects, others as well are getting noticed as well. We'll talk about that uh, when we get to this topic, when we get to the number four topic. 
Number five, additional 300 actually is 600. In other words, additional $300 is actually $600 when it pertains to the um, added, uh, the addition to the EDD, the unemployment for a lot of us. We'll talk about why that is. And then finally, number six, Recall Newsom reaches 1 million signatures. And we'll talk about that and how many more signatures they need and may get before this month is out. So with that said, guys, sit back, relax, and let's get discussing to some of these topics right now. All right, so the first thing we're going to talk about is Trump's possible impeachment and what the future could hold for him should it go through or not go through. Now, for those of you, which is most of us, you may know, you know, what an impeachment means and basically what the ramifications, you know, could be, you know, should it go through or not go through. Now, for those of you that are confused, and there are some, and I say that with no disrespect, no offense, I say that with no disrespect, no offense. For some of you that may have, you know, some confusion between the differences of impeachment, the 25th Amendment, and resignation, an impeachment basically means that the person that is removed from power can no longer run for that position that they were impeached from. In other words, when it comes to Donald Trump, if the Congress, if the Democrats in both the House and the Congress get what they want, along with some Republicans, independents, and liberals, if they get what they want and Donald Trump is officially impeached, then any admiration or vision he's had, you know, for a 2024 presidential campaign run to get a second chance at being president, he can pretty much toss that out the window. Because if the impeachment goes through and becomes official, then Donald Trump can pretty much forget about running once again for president in four years because the impeachment will basically blacklist him, blackball him, and ban him from ever running for an office like president of the United States or any office for that matter, you know, in the, in the political world ever again. And there's a lot of people that look at this that support Trump, that, as I mentioned in one video, are unsure about this whole Biden-Harris, you know, regime that's going to start a week from Wednesday. You know, a lot of people, you know, wonder, you know, basically why, you know, are the Democrats so determined to impeach him? Why is Nancy Pelosi, the one that's leading the charge here, along with some of her colleagues, why is she so determined to impeach him when he only has about nine and a half days left in office as president? Well, mainly because of one reason, and my mom even brought this up. It's mainly because if they impeach him, like I said, then it prevents him from running again in 2024. And that's the last thing that people like Nancy Pelosi or any other Democrats, Republicans, liberals, or independents that are against Trump, that's the last thing they want. So by basically implementing an impeachment to get him out, via the via this way if you will means basically they won't have to worry about that it means they won't have to worry about Donald Trump tossing his hat into the presidential campaign ring you know or basically ever again they won't have to worry about that they won't have to worry about the MHEA you know you know rearing its head ever again 
Because if they impeach him, you know, if they impeach him, then pretty much, like I said, any admirations or any thoughts he's had of doing a 2024 presidential run, you know, is out the window. He can pretty much forget that. However, however, that doesn't mean he can't throw his support, his hat in for support for anybody else of the Republican Party that may run in 2024. I mean, there are rumors going around that his son, Eric Trump, or Donald Trump Jr., may run, one of them. There's, you know, rumor going around that his daughter, you know, Avika, I think that's her name, um, Avika Trump may run as well. So the Trumps will still have a presence, you know, through the presidential campaign of 2024. However, if Donald Trump gets impeached from office, you know, nine days before his term is officially over, then he will be the only one that won't be able to take part in a presidential campaign run in the next four years, or in the next three years. He won't be able to do that. He won't be able to come out next year or in 2023 and say, hey, I'm going to toss my hat in to the presidential campaign ring and run for a second term as president. He won't be able to do that. He will be on the outside looking in. However, it doesn't mean he can't show support for a Republican candidate that he feels shares the same views that he does. And that could mean his sons, one of his sons, or even his daughter. So even though he may not have an opportunity to run for president again, if the impeachment happens, you know, he'll still be able to show support for those that he, again, like I said, you know, he feels and believes he shares the same beliefs and, you know, same beliefs and justifications with. Now, now, that's what the future could hold for him if the impeachment goes through. However, this is not the first time Pelosi or some of the Democrats have tried to get him out of office. They tried it, you know, last year, you know, early last year, late 2019, and they failed because the Congress was like, we don't see what the problem is. We don't see what the deal is, you know, with, you know, Trump having to be removed. We don't get the idea. We don't see any problem. As a matter of fact, I recall one person, you know, in the Congress, as well as in the House, in a joint session, I think, because of this impeachment, you know, the first attempt at the impeachment process, I should say, and I'm just looking at something outside the window there. Uh, there was one senator, I don't know if it was a senator from Texas or from, you know, Oklahoma. I don't know who it was. But this senator basically told Nancy Pelosi to her face that if Trump was impeached when the first attempt uh, happened, if he was to be impeached, it doesn't mean Hillary Clinton just waltzes in and becomes president. Because... Because obviously, according to a lot of the media and a lot of people that were wondering why is Nancy such is so determined to remove Trump from office, it's basically because of that reasoning. Because they, again, I can't speak for what they were thinking, but obviously reports were going around that Nancy Pelosi probably felt that she had a loophole that would allow her and the Democrats, you know, to you know allow them to you know, get Hillary Clinton in as president should Trump be impeached. But this congressperson from Texas or Oklahoma, wherever it was, 
flat out told her, hey, that's not going to be the case because if Trump gets impeached, that means Pence is the one that takes over, not Clinton. So, yeah, the last, like, so yeah, like I said, the last time they tried this, uh, basically, the Congress shot him down and they had to basically accept the fact that Trump wasn't going to go anywhere. But now, since the Congress is democratically controlled a bit, just barely, and the House is somewhat split down the middle, you know, the question, it, the question is now, will it finally happen, even though Donald has nine and a half days remaining in his term officially? And we'll have to see what they do. We'll have to just pay attention, whether we want to or not, and see what they do. Now, if Trump decides, hey, I don't want to get impeached, I want to run again in 2024 and clean up whatever mess Biden and Harris leave behind, then I'm not going to be surprised if he shows up on screen and says, I'm going to resign. And he might even do it the day before inauguration and says, hey, I know tomorrow's my last day, but you know what? I'm going to resign today because I still want to have an opportunity to run in 2024. So he may do that, opening the opportunities for him to get another shot at the presidency if that if he's able to despite even if you know like I said it'll give him a shot at the presidency even if he resigns again I don't know if that's possible but I think it's a more likely chance now they now if the impeachment doesn't go through and he doesn't resign then the 25th amendment comes into play and that's where Pence himself would be charged along with other Republicans in Congress in the house to remove Donald Trump from office. In other words, as I said before in the one video that I posted recently, basically it becomes an easy out. The 25th Amendment becomes an easy out for them to remove, you know, someone like Donald Trump from office. So, again, it's a, you know, just a wait and see scenario right now with what's going on because if this second att a second attempt at impeachment goes through, nine and a half days before he's officially done as president for this term, then that basically means, you know, for his future, that he can't run ever again for president. But that doesn't mean he can't throw his hat in for support, you know, for maybe someone, like I said earlier, that shares the same ideals and beliefs and justifications. Most importantly, if that someone is family, like his own sons or his daughter. Now, if, if the impeachment doesn't go through, like it didn't go through last time, then that means he'll be able to finish out his term and he'll be able to, and his future will basically allow, and his future will still remain bright because he'll still be allowed to run for a second opportunity at president, at being the president in 2024. Now, if he resigns, there's still a possibility that he'll have a chance to become president because he wasn't impeached, he resigned of his own accord. If the 25th Amendment is implemented, then that is, that's something that's kind of like right in the air. It's kind of in, in the air right there because I think he could still run for president, isn't it? Because he wasn't impeached, he was just removed from power. There's nothing that says, as far as I know, that the 25th Amendment has the same, you know, stipulations as impeachment, which means he can't, you know, run for president anymore if he's removed. So the 25th Amendment and resignation and not being impeached are the only chances he has or finishing through his or finishing fully his uh, or fully finishing his term as president 
are the only opportunities he has in the future, or only opportunities he has, I should say, for a future run in 2024. But again, like I said, even if the impeachment goes through, it doesn't mean he can't throw support for those that share the same beliefs, ideals, justifications. You know, he can't, it doesn't mean he can't throw his name into the ring to support them. And especially doesn't mean, and especially if that person is family, is flesh and blood. But yeah, right now, as we speak, they are trying their best to get Donald Trump removed from power via impeachment. And if they succeed, then any ideas that he had, any admirations that he's had for a 2024 run, he could throw in the trash because he will never be able to run for president ever again, unless whoever the current president or the current regime of Congress and House, you know, override that decision. But that's all I'm going to say for this first topic, guys. And now it's on to topic number two. All right, so our second topic here, I, again, I did a video of this recently, but the second topic is kind of a questionable topic. Well, basically a question in the topic. That's basically what it is. The, title of, the, to <laughs> the topic title is in the form of a question. Uh, but basically, what caused PBS to finally put the pl or pull the plug, I should say, what caused PBS to finally pull the plug on Kyle Yu? Or Kyle Yu? And, you know, obviously this is a big uh, question that I'm sure a lot of people want to know, but I'm sure whatever answer they'll get will make them happy and satisfied because quite honestly, like I said in my video and even others that have done videos on this have said, uh, a lot of people were just happy this was gone. You know, you had, uh, I'll provide a link down below or in the, the in the video somewhere in the Anodotions and at the end of the video, you can check out two videos that talk about this. But a lot of people were just thrilled that Caillou was, Caillou was uh, finally removed from PBS. That PBS finally made the decision to remove this series from the lineup. Basically take it out of the position of the weekday, the weekday and weekend lineup that it had and just be done with it. Now, again, the question obviously is what caused them to finally decide to pull the plug on the show? And my guess is, and I talked about this in the video that I did, I think somebody at PBS, mostly the PBS Kids Division, probably saw the backlash that this show was getting because of the portrayal of, you know, the tutorial, the tutorial character, the title character, if you will. And basically they saw the backlash. They probably went back and saw the episodes, you know, all the episodes, no matter how many they were, and probably came to the conclusion that, yeah, you know, they're right. This kid is nothing more than a brat who has to be, who has to basically learn his lesson at the end. Like he doesn't, you know, because, you know, because basically, like I said in the video, it's like the lesson is not being taught right at the beginning or hinted at in the middle of it. No, you got to wait till the end of the video. You got to wait till the end of the video or the move on the uh, episode, I should say. You got to wait till the end of the episode for this bratty kid to learn his lesson. And the people that did videos on this as well, you know, even showed examples of the fact that, you know, this kid is nothing more than a brat that has to learn his, that basically learns his lesson at the end instead of learning it throughout the episode like it should be. I mean, 
Some of the examples that they show is Cal Yu basically being jealous jealous of his new baby sister, pinching his new baby sister, hurting her while she's you know, basically a few months old. You know, it's like, come on, seriously. A lot of the other examples that they show is of Cal Yu throwing a fit, him basically taking away things because he doesn't want to share. And it's like, how many times have we... And speaking of that, how many times has this show done the, oh, Cal Yu's got to learn to share a story or a lesson. How many times have they done it? More times than I think anybody would want to count. Or how many times have, oh, Cal Yu shouldn't be jealous. How many times have they tried to teach that lesson to this kid? You know, a lot. The one thing I think that basically caused, in my opinion, the people in charge of PBS Kids to finally say, enough, we're done with this. I think what made them finally decide to pull the trigger was the fact that the episodes and the lessons will be coming repetitive. Now, true, a lot of shows do that. A lot of animated live-action shows do that. But guess what? A majority of them, even though they may do it, find a way to make it more different and fresher. I mean, one of the shows that I got into and I became a fan of, My Little Pony's Friendship is Magic, sure, they repeated the same lessons, but they changed it up a little bit, or they changed it up enough, I should say, to make it feel fresh and new. Even though the lesson and the moral of the story was similar to what they had done before, they made it fresh and new enough to where you could enjoy it and you wouldn't be annoyed. And you wouldn't be like, again? We just did the story, you know, not that long ago, but again? You know, so... So, yeah, my, my personal opinion is I think somebody at PBS Kids, someone in charge of the PBS Kids division and station, finally saw the backlash... You know, probably watched some of the episodes to get an idea of what they were talking about and came to the conclusion that, yeah, this kid's got to go. This show about this bratty kid, this tutorial kid that gets jealous, you know, over his baby sister being born, hurts her by pinching her cheek, that, 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 and all this. You know, doesn't want to share and has to constantly learn that lesson, you know, and vice versa and whatever. You know, it's like the, whoever came up, whoever greenlit the decision to cancel the show saw exactly what people were talking about. And I think that's what caused PBS overall to decide to pull the plug. Because I think eventually the person in charge of the PBS Kids division showed them the backlash, showed them the episodes that they saw to kind of give them the idea of, you see, this is what people are talking about. And I'm thinking that's what overall led to the decision for PBS to remove Caliu as a show from their lineup. Because, hey... I get, you want to have a show on there to teach young kids, preschoolers, a lesson about sharing, you know, not being jealous, you know, manners and all that. I get it. I get it, okay? But, you know, that's one, it's one thing to do that. It's another to do it by putting the spotlight on a kid that's pretty much looked at as the most despised Child, animated child character or animated character in the past 20, 30 years. And there's a lot of animated characters that are looked at past and present and probably in the future they are going to be looked at as some of the most despised characters ever. But this kid, if you did a top five, a top five of the most despised and vile animated characters in history in the past 30, 20 years, this kid would be at number one. That's what this kid would be in the eyes of a lot of folks. And that, but, and again, I think, my opinion, I think the heads of PBS Kids, the PBS Kids division, 
you know, saw the, read the back, saw the backlash, watched the episodes, and were like, yeah, we understand where you're coming from. This kid's gone. And I think inevitably what they did to make sure that happened is they went to the higher-ups at PBS, showed them the backlash that was coming in about because of this kid in the show, showed them the episodes they saw that kind of exemplified what the backlash was, you know, justified in. And that's when I believe the higher-ups at PBS said, go for it, get this kid off our stations. And they did. So that's what I think caused PBS to finally pull the plug, is they finally heard the, heard the outcry and the backlash. And I'm thinking whoever the higher-ups of the PBS Kids Division were, or at least the president, whoever it was, saw the backlash, watched the episodes in which some of the backlash, you know, came, you know, came about from, you know, showed it to their bosses, their higher-ups, and then that's when they got the green lit to say, enough, you're gone. So that's what I think caused PBS to finally pull the plug on Cal U. But again, like I said in my video, nobody's crying over spilt milk. There might be some little, little disappointed. There might be some. But the thing is, nobody else is spilling over, is crying over this spilled, this, uh, spilled of rotten, spoiled milk. Because you know why? You know, we don't have to deal with it anymore. And like I said, as far as reruns go, I don't think we have to worry about that either. Because once the show is canceled, any chance that reruns are gone too. But let me know what you guys think. What are your thoughts on Cal U finally getting canceled? You know, what do you think PBS, caused PBS to come up with the decision to do it? Let me know in the live chat or in the comments below. And now we're going to head to our third topic here on Topics on My Mind. Okay, so number three, uh, we're going to talk about WB, Warner Brothers, and Legendary Pictures coming close to a deal that will allow Godzilla vs. Khan to be seen and released simultaneously on both HBO Max and in theaters. Now, just a bit of recap as to what's going on and as, and as to why a deal has to be reached between the two, um, the two companies, if you will. Uh, WB... In my personal opinion, their CEO, Anne-Marie, that's her name, along with some other parties, but mostly Anne-Marie, decided out of the blue last month to blindside a lot of people, including Legendary Pictures, with the announcement that they were going to simultaneously release most of the 2021 uh, movie slate in both theaters and on HBO Max. And to say the backlash that Warner Brothers got because of this would be an understatement because everybody from the directors involved with some of these movies, directors that have been associated with the WB, actors, screenwriters, you name it, and even, picture, and even movie studios that go to WB for distribution, again, to say they were unhappy would be an understatement because they would live it. They were very livid. Even Christopher Nolan threw um, WB under the bus for what they did. And now WB has to backtrack on some of the decision making when it comes to the 2021 releases. As a matter of fact, it seems that WB, when it comes to one of the other legendary picture uh, releases to happen later this year, Dune, it looks like the WB might be backtracking on that and allowing that to be a theatrical release only. 
However, there are reports go however there are reports I should say going around that they are trying to work something out to make sure the simultaneous release of that movie happens as well. But speaking of Godzilla versus Kong, this movie is meant for release, um, still meant for release, I should say, of May 21st of this year. Now, right now, plans are for a simultaneous release, but if a deal isn't reached, if a settlement or deal between the two parties is not reached, then Warner Brothers is going to have no choice but to probably give Legendary what they want and that's and basically allow both Godzilla vs. Kong and then later down the line Dune to be theatrical releases only. So right now a deal looks like it's nearing, but right now according to a lot of reports what I'm trying to say, a deal is near completion or is near, is near to being made between, the both, between both sides to allow simultaneous release of this movie in both theaters and HBO Max. But the question is, what is the deal? What is the settlement deal to allow this to happen? And my only thought, my only projection, or opinion, projection and opinion, I should say, is the fact that the WB is probably going to have to go the same route they did with Wonder Woman 84, and that's basically strike the same deal uh, with legendary pictures that they did with Patty Jenkins and Guy Gadolt, or Gal Gadolt, or Gal Gadolt, you know, when it came to Woman, Wonder Woman 84. They're going to have to make a similar deal, and I think that's what's going on. I think that's what's part of the settlement, you know, between, the bo between both sides, to where, you know, legendary pictures will get the same deal for both Godzilla versus Kong and possibly Dune, that Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot got for Wonder Woman 84. So I think that's what's going on. We, however, reports are not indicating that's, you know, the deal being made, but I think one could assume, if not pretty much predict, that that's probably the direction they're going to go with to try to make this simultaneous release of Godzilla vs. Kong and possibly Dune become a reality for both theaters and HBO Max. But yeah, it looks like a deal is close to being made. Uh, they may have to make the same kind of deal with Lana Rachowski, uh, who is behind The Matrix 4. So they may have to make the kind of, same kind of deal with her. Um, but, right, but, we'll, but if that happens, no doubt, you know, sites and you know, tabloids like Deadline and Hollywood Reporter and Variety will be on, and Entertainment Tonight and all that will be um, on top of it to let us know whether or not Lana Rachowski will get a similar deal, you know, as to the kind of deal they're trying to work out with for, you know, Godzilla vs. Kong and Doom with Legendary Pictures. And again, like I said, I believe it's going to be a deal similar, if not identical, to what they did with Patty and Gael Gadot, Gael Gadot uh, when it comes to Wonder Woman 84. Now, could I be wrong about that? Absolutely, I could be wrong about that, but I don't think I will be. And I think we will be getting um, the, I, I mean, honestly, I think we will be getting what I'm trying to say, because I was just checking something. I was just thinking for a second there. So if I blanked out, I do apologize. Um, I don't think I did, though. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I think, obviously, we're going to get that kind of a deal. We're going to get a similar deal between both sides. Uh, and um, I, I do think what I was trying to say um, I, I do think we're going to get basically 
um, the movies released simultaneously in, in both theaters and HBO Max. And uh, again, like I said, I think um, we're going to get a deal that's similar. They're going to get a deal uh, reached that's similar to what they did for Wonder Woman 84. I think that's what's going to happen. Um, but yeah. It seems that WB and Legendary Pictures are close to making a deal, at least to try to get Godzilla vs. Kong released simultaneously in both theaters and HBO Max. Dune right now is up in the air, and other projects you know, Warner Brothers is going to distribute are also kind of up in the air. But right now, it looks like Warner Brothers is going to try to make up for what they did, and basically probably offer the same kind of deal they did to Patty and Gal for Wonder Woman 84, Two legendary pictures and possibly Lana Rachowski and other parties involved for the to make this simultaneous uh, release in theaters in HBO Max a reality. So that's all I'm going to say for this topic here. I do apologize if it looked like I blanked out for a second. I was actually looking outside my window to check something, but and I was also trying to think at the same time of what I was going to say next. Uh, let me know what you guys think down below. Oh, let me know what your thoughts are in the live chat. And I'll be back after a little break with our fourth topic here on Topics on My Mind. Okay, back from my little lunch break. And here we are going to talk about a fourth topic. And our fourth topic being fan projects finally getting noticed. And now I bring this up due to the fact that in recent years, a lot of what was originally fan projects like web comics, fan animations, you name it, you know, fan fiction stories, if you will, have all been getting some recognition as of late. Sometimes, if not most times, they've been getting a recognition due to the fact that several studios, independent-wise, or even through Kickstarters or Indiegogos or whatever, Patreons, uh, would financially be supported by fellow fans that want to see these projects come to life. And once these projects come to life in some capacity through things like a pilot, a five-minute animated music video, or whatever the case may be, that, in a way, will get the attention of some... It will basically get the attention and be noticed by bigger companies and distributors. For example, one of the more recent examples... Uh, one of the most re yeah one of the most recent examples I'm trying to get at is uh, Kobe uh, I think it was a Koji uh, it was a Koba or something like that I can't pronounce her name I can't, I for <laughs> totally forgot the name but you know what I'm talking about the the wildebeest one uh, Kaibu or Kobe or something like that K U B I O uh, but anyway that was originally a web comic or web story, fan fiction story, whatever the case may be, and it got picked up by Netflix and DreamWorks and ended up having, within the span of one year, three separate seasons. So that basically, even in the span of one year, shows you that sometimes what is originally a fan project can get some notoriety, it can get some recognition, you know, for what it brings to the table. And obviously... Uh, Kobo, that's not a name, Kobo, uh, was one of those prime examples. Another prime example is uh, Midnight Gospel, which was also on Netflix, 
And it was originally inspired, in fact, some of the, some, if not most of the dialogue is taken from the podcast that inspired it. So there's that for another good example. Other ones that are showing, you know, possible, or getting possible recognition, getting noticed, I should say, by others, are those that I mentioned at the beginning of this video. You know, when I talked about this being one of the topics we were going to discuss. And things like Hell of a Boss, which debuted around early last year, late 2019, and has been picked up by, I think, a streaming service to be distributed all across the board for new episodes and all that. We also have, um, well, not Hell of a Boss, but Has Been Hotel. That's what, that's the one it was. Has Been Hotel, you know, debuted er around early last year, late 2019, and got picked up by, you know, a streaming service for distribution on a worldwide scale, on a national scale. And then to follow that up, the same people behind it, Vizipop, created Hell of a Boss, which is right now a YouTube, free YouTube exclusive, where the episodes will show up on the Vizipop uh, page. And then, of course, we have another one called Long Lone Gouch or Long Gouch or something like that. Its pilot is supposed to come out within the next week or so, and it looks promising. But the question is, will it get noticed enough to be picked up by a streaming service or, you know, get noticed enough to where maybe uh, people want to back it up more so than before and it'll just end up following the same uh, route that Hell of a Boss did or has done. And that's basically be a YouTube, a free YouTube exclusive show to where you could watch the episodes, you know, when they come out and for free. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, but other projects are also getting notoriety, fan projects. Uh, for example, um, being a fan of Sonic, um, of course I talked about recently, and depending on how you feel about the guy, you know, it's all up to your opinion how you feel about him. Uh, Gamer Guys 7 Aces, GG7A, did Sonic Rebound, which as I mentioned in a Reb recommendation video, uh, was basically a loose adaptation and take on the IDW Sonic comic with a few changes to certain um, moments and characters and all that. Another thing that's Sonic related, that's a fan project that's getting some notoriety as well, along with something like Sonic Rebound, which is going into its second season, is a project that's currently being worked on as we speak, and that is season animated. That is S-E-A numeral three O-N animated by, well, the group, by the group and, uh, well, by, basically by the people, by the group behind it, known as Team Season, S-E-A, numeral three O-N. So, yeah. And that's getting, like I said, that's getting some notoriety as well. As a matter of fact, uh, in the past year, they actually have been showing a lot more progress in what they're doing and even showed us, I think, about a 30-second, a 30-second to minute-long clip of what you know, the product will look like when the episodes, or at least the first episode of this project is completed. And as I've said before, it looks very identical, if not straight up identical, to what you saw originally in the show, you know, when it aired on ABC, animation-wise. But other projects that have gotten notoriety have been getting notoriety over the past several years. And that's pretty good. Sometimes you'll look at some of these and you'll be like, wow, 
Now, I can almost mistake this for being something out of the official source. Or, wow, you know, why couldn't they use this kind of animation when it comes to some of the specials or movies, stuff like that. Uh, for example, two things that, you know, were fan project-wise were done by a group of people called Duo Cartoonists. And they were MLP related, both MLP Princess Luna related and centered, that being The Moon Rises and Children of the Night, which are both pretty good. Children of the Night feels like it's something straight out of, let's say, uh, MLP, basically more with a, a bolder media-like uh, influence. And Moon Rises is done by Toon Harmony, which is the same program used to help make the MLP movie from 2017. And if that's not enough, we also have um, I Love KP, I Love Kim Possible a lot, a little um, animated uh, video that she did with Anthony C. Um, and several other people where she talked about what was about meeting John Delancey, the voice of Discord. So that was there, and that looks like it's very similar to be, and that looks like what I'm trying to say, that looks very similar to something you would see out of the show. Even though you can tell the animation is still uh, not on par with the show, it's very identical. It's almost like it's almost like the early seasons, seasons or something like that. Or like, because you can find this on YouTube as well. The animation pilot for the MLP uh, series called My Little Pony Adventures or something like that. You can find that here on YouTube, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but you know, you have stuff like that. And then recently, I even, did a, I even did a review on this. You have Josh Scorchers, a.k.a. Firebrands, The Folly of Celestia, which originally was started as a fan fiction story over at Fem Fiction, Friendship is Magic Fiction, um, which, you know, again, Josh Scorcher and I think Luna Kova and a few others first worked on, you know, as a regular fan fiction story. And then over time, over the past several years, started to evolve it into an animation project, which made its debut uh, last year. And I did a review, like I said, on it, and I thought it was really good. And now we have some other projects as well. We have some other projects as well uh, going on. There's one, well, there are other ones that have also happened over the past several years. I'll have to find them again and provide, and if I can, I'll provide links, if not, uh, there are some where, you know, it has Celestia going through a mirror to meet Good Sombra, who she's the love interest of. That got introduced to us in the IDW comic. You know, there's one, there's an animation that's in English and in Chinese, I think, that you guys can check out. And then there's one that's currently in the work right now that's supposedly, I guess, as of right now, unless things change is scheduled for release at the end of this year, and it's called The Clock Tower. And The Clock Tower is a CGI SM, S, SFM uh, uh, CGI 3D animated short or story where it focuses on Alicorn Twilight, I guess, going back in time to save her friends and who have uh, passed on. They have passed on to you know, the other life, if you will. And then there's also animation projects. In fact, there was a pilot that came out last year based around Fallout Equestria. So 
a lot of fan projects that are out there that are getting noticed, that are getting recognition. And it just shows you that sometimes the next big idea doesn't necessarily have to come from, you know, somebody within a studio or someone within Hollywood. Sometimes the next big idea can come from somebody that lives in your very neighborhood. And that's what you kind of see here with everything that I just mentioned. You know, it, it, again, it just shows you how much, you know, recognition fans are getting for the projects that they're doing. In fact, Lightning Bliss, who is one of the primary uh, My Little Pony YouTubers out there, one of the primary Brony Pegasisters, if you will, recently created a website to allow fans to actually purchase items that normally they would get at conventions, but because of what's going on, you know, because of the pandemic, or mostly besides that, if they can't financially be there in person, they can actually get these products sent to them once they order them. So that's pretty cool. It's actually pretty cool for her to do. And again, it just shows you the recognition fans are getting, getting you know, fans are getting by doing this kind of stuff, by allowing their passion for something to become a reality. And again, it doesn't and again, as I mentioned with several of the titles at the beginning, like Hell of a Boss, which you know debuted, you know, a couple last late last year, to Has Been Hotel, which debuted early last year, late 2019. These are projects by Visipop that are fan-related projects, original ideas, and one of them has been Hotel, which I meant to say earlier, and I corrected myself on that, was picked up by a streaming service for distribution in the future. So it shows you, in a sense, that basically fan, fan projects, fan-related and created projects are getting recognition. Heck, this is why when I go online here and I recommend or I update and I talk about things like Mr. Internet Man's Demonica series on his, you know, DeviantArt page. Or I talk about, um, he I think what's her name, uh, Heather or Molly, I think it's um, Heather, I think. Let me uh, check, let me check real quickly. But it's when I also uh, talk about someone like Jack LaCour. That's her DeviantArt name. When I talk about someone like Jack LaCour, you know, I talk about, you know, them in recommendation because what they're doing with the web comics at times is pretty good. You know, it's actually pretty good. It's, you know, it's gotten people talking. And even somebody that does SFM, you know, CGI like uh, web comics has even gotten behind and supported. Um, Jack LaCour and the Nemonica series by doing their own uh, CGI retake or remake on the first story of the Mystic Makeover series, which is pretty cool. So, so I try to see something here. Hold on, so you can find it. Hold on a sec. Here we go. Well, no, it's not Mr. Internet. Not Mr. Internet, man. Um, hold on. <laughs> I hit the wrong one. Um, let's see. Here we go. It's, um, come on, pop up here. Michelle. That's her name, Michelle. 
Um, this is why I talk about Jacques Lacour, Michel's stories of malleability, metamorphosized to malleability. This is why, you know, I talk about, you know, uh, minor dash alterations, uh, story series of Demonica, or um, any other series that they're doing. You know, it's because I'm giving them recognition for a great job that they're putting, you know, for the time and effort that they're putting into these stories and a great job that they are putting on here. Oh, not putting on, but, you know, basically, you know, what I'm trying to say is I'm just giving them recognition for all the time that they're putting in to these uh, projects, you know, to allow us to have something to enjoy uh, down the line or for future reading or viewer viewing um, down the line. And this is why I also say things like, I, you know, where I believe things like Michelle's Metamorphosized to Malleability or stock or the Becoming Unlimited series, or even you know Mr. Internet Man's Demonica web comics or minor dash alterations take on them through written work, is you know it's basically why I believe that if given the right kind of presentation, you know I would not be surprised if somebody wanted to pick it up to try to adapt it into an animated or CGI uh, series or something like that, flash animated series, uh, to be seen on sites like YouTube or somewhere else. Or even picked up by a streaming site. But anyway, getting back on point, because I know I sound like I'm rambling, I do apologize. Uh, but basically, this is why, you know, in my opinion, right now, probably more so than ever, fan projects are getting noticed. Because of the fact that fans are letting their passion and their love for what they're a fan of come to the forefront and be noticed and re recognized more so than ever before. Because if there's one thing a lot of people kind of complain about is there's not enough original ideas out there. And some of these might feel like they've been done before, but there's enough originality in them to where people can get behind, and get behind them and enjoy them. So my personal opinion, guys, the, from my personal opinion, guys, as of right now, fan projects are getting more noticed and more recognition than ever before. And it's going to continue to snowball and get bigger and bigger as this year and the next year go by. Because some of the projects that I just mentioned that are right now just like web comics and fan fiction ends and all that. Do not be surprised if they get a lot more notoriety down the line. And people start wanting to see more of them, you know, um, as time goes on and probably want to see them in motion like with animation or stuff like that but anyway though guys that's going to do it for this topic i do apologize if it seems like i got a little distracted i was trying to think about what i was going to say and i was also checking out the window to see what's going on but let me know what you guys think on this comment in the live chat comment down below in comments and now let's move on to our next topic Okay, so our fifth topic here, we're going to talk about the additional 300 is actually 600. Now, in case you guys are wondering what I mean by that, um, with the stimulus package that was signed by Trump, the one that was small, but hopefully will increase uh, very soon, thanks to, you know, the, I will admit, probably one of the only, one of the only, if not few, only positives that we're getting out of this change of the guard, um, you know, you know, when it comes to Congress and, you know, the House and all that, you know, hopefully the sudden, you know, the additional increase, like the additional 1400 or an extra 2000 down the line, 
uh, when it comes to the stimulus packages. But as I was saying, uh, in case you guys don't know, and I'm sure you do by now, the additional, what I'm talking about when it comes to saying the additional 300 is actually 600 has to do with the additional 300 that we're getting with unemployment. Now, for a lot of us in different various parts of the United States that are going through this, that have already gotten this or will be getting this, you know, you might be asking yourself, well, how can it be six? How can that three be six, right? Well, basically, it all, basically it's because it all depends on how your state's EDD, your state's unemployment services structure their payment, uh, the payments to those that receive unemployment because they're not working right now or they're only working very little and they need that extra cash on the side. And to me, when, because to me, when I looked at, you know, the report saying this was 300 a week, I'm thinking, oh, originally my thought was, oh, we're going to get 300 each week, right? So I thought, honestly, I would look on my phone, check my app for my EDD, with my, uh, ED, uh, for the bank that my EDD is tied to, and I didn't see no increase. I didn't, well, I didn't see no deposit, I should say. I didn't see no deposit, which made me realize, oh, this probably means it's 300 for this week and it's 300, oh, it's 300 for last week, it's 300 for this week, and thus it's a combined 600 on top of what I would get normally every two weeks. And the same goes, in my opinion, for a lot of other people out there, not just here in California, but in the rest of the country. So depending on what you make bi-weekly because of unemployment, or what you get bi-weekly because of unemployment, you could add an additional 600 to that. Now, why didn't, now, obviously the question is, why didn't they just straight up say that's what it's going to be? Knowing that that's mo mostly how, or that's how, what I'm trying to say is, knowing that that's how most uh, EDD offices and state governments work. Like, it's not every week, but it's every two weeks. Why didn't they just say, oh, it's in total going to be 600, not three? Because there's going to be a lot of us, like myself, that will be confused by that, thinking, oh, we're going to have an additional 300 deposited every week. No, that 300 is going to be totaled together as six to be added to what you currently get. So, let's say, for example... Uh, you get five. You get five thirty every two weeks, depending on your situation. This additional six hundred will make it eleven thirty, one thousand one hundred thirty. That's what it will make it. So that's pretty good. Or let's say you make two hundred, which is probably the less you can, one of the least amounts you can make, depending on your job situation or whatever. You add this six hundred, you get an eight. So that's pretty much how it is. Now, like I said, why didn't, now, like I asked, and I'm sure everybody else will ask this, why didn't they just straight up say it's going to be six, knowing how things are structured with the EDD, depending on the state you live in, is anybody's guess. I mean, again, you know, saying it's going to be 300 a week, it's confusing because a lot of people would expect, oh, we're going to get another deposit, we're going to get a deposit every week, not realizing that, oh, it's for every other week. In other words, taking that 300 for each week and totaling it together. Now, could I be wrong about this? Absolutely, I could be wrong about this. And it could just be 300 in addition to what you normally get. But the one thing a lot of people said because of the fact that Trump stalled on signing uh, that stimulus, you know, when he did, the fact that we could have had that additional 300 added in changed 
uh, you know, changed everything for the time being. But now that everything is kind of like up to speed, up to date, things should be back on track. Things should be getting back on course. But, again, the question is, why didn't they just come out and say it was going to be 600 in total, depending on the structure, or depending on how your state's EDD structures the payments to you? That's what I would like to know. That's what I would want an answer to. But anyway, though, for anybody that is still confused, hopefully this fifth topic here on Topics on My Mind kind of helps you out and makes you understand that what's going on here basically is more along the lines of, yeah, you're getting the 300 a week as promised, but it's being totaled to six. Now, depending on your living situation, your you know marital situation and parenting situation, you're going to get more. So instead of three, you're going to get six, and that six is going to equal up to 1,200. So, so hopefully, again, down the line, as you know, time goes on and we slowly if not very quickly get out of this pandemic situation, you know, they'll make it more, they'll basically straighten out all the, you know, they'll straighten out all the confusion and they'll make it clear that, oh, by the way, you are going to get 300 a week, but it mainly depends on how your EDD pays out to you, whether they do it weekly or bi-weekly. So, um, so yeah, basically, long story short, the 300 is actually 600 in total, and that's pretty good in my opinion, and, and in a sense, in a sense, it's may, and I might get some flack for this, I might get some flack for this, in a sense, it does make, it does kind of make sense of what McConnelly was, as to why McConnelly was, or McCon- Mitch McConnelly, I should say, was blocking the $2,000 stimulus when he was doing it. Because of the fact that he was looking at the fact that, oh, people are going to get that 600 and those that get the EDD along with it are going to make up for more than enough of that. And basically, to him, the 300 that we would get, which would combine to 6, in addition to that other 6 we'd get to the stimulus, which is 12, combined to what we'd get, would make up almost to 2000 anyway. So, in a way, it does kind of make sense as to why he was blocking it, because pretty much he totaled exactly, probably in his mind, and those working with him that were in agreement with him, were probably like, yeah, and yeah, if you pass that, it's going to be more than what they're getting, and what they're getting right now, along with the 300, depending on what they get from the EDD, would basically equal up to what, you know, you know, the Democrats and even Trump want to pass. So... Yeah, um, so yeah, you know, it, it kind of makes sense in a way as to why you wanted to block it, but still, it's like, thankfully, again, one of the positives coming out of this, one of the only positives in people's minds coming out of this is we'll probably get that reg, the, uh, remaining 1400 if not 2000 you know, deposit, you know, sent to us via deposit or mail down the line, or debit, you know, either by check or debit card very soon, so... But yeah, the 300 is actually 600 depending on the situation you live in, which also means depending, like I said, on your living situation, parental, marital, whatever, the 600 is actually 12. But um, anyway, though, that's really about it. So hopefully this helped kind of clear it up a little bit, didn't confuse it as much. And that's going to do it for this fifth topic. And now on to our sixth and final topic.
All right, so for our sixth and final topic, and I think it's going to bring some smiles, if not a lot of smiles, to people's faces, the Recall Newsom, the Recall Gavin Newsom petition and campaign has hit a huge milestone, one they've been needing to hit for quite some time, and that is they hit one million signatures, if not by the time you watch this video, over one million signatures. And what that means is they need at least 500,000, if not under 500,000 more signatures to make the recall campaign a success and potentially, if not realistically, move one step closer to removing Gavin Newsom as governor. Now, what that means basically, if they reach that goal, and it looks like they will, is that there will be a mid-year election, which could be around the spring, mid to late spring, early summer. And what that would be, and what that would, you know, basically result in is potentially a new individual taking over as the governor of the, of the state of California and Newsom being escorted out of the building and out of the governor's house, you know, for good. And potentially, because of the recall, which I would guess is similar to an impeach or impeachment, not saying it is, uh, Newsom probably wouldn't be able to run for office for quite some time unless he, you know, truly learned how to be a, uh, a true leader that does the right thing, does what's right for the people, stuff like that. So, yeah, right now, as I'm doing this video, or as you're watching it, they probably, if not most definitely, have over 1 million signatures and they need less than 500,000 more signatures to make it a success. Now, does this mean Newsom could still remain in office? Mm, technically, yes, because all he'd have to do, I think, is kind of present his case as to why he screwed up in the eyes of people. And if he presents a good enough case, then there's a good chance he could remain. But if not, then there's going to be a lot of people during that election that even if he tries to present his reasonings for doing what he did, that are going to choose somebody else. And there's already candidates in line to take over. Uh, for example, we have the mayor of San Diego that's already made it known that he plans to run against Newsom in 2022 but those plans may be accelerated up to this year should the recall become a success. Now, a lot of things have been giving the recall, uh, the recall campaign a lot of momentum, you know, as of late. Not only the news of the now over, by the time, like I said, by the time you watch this, over one million signatures that, you know, gained, you know, to make this campaign a success, but also the fact that they have gotten major financial backing in a huge way over the past month or so from two very wealthy firms that kind of, that basically I feel the same way as a lot of people do about Newsom, and that's get him out of office as quickly as possible. So, yeah, this recall effort has been gaining a lot of momentum, a lot of, you know, a lot of support. And who knows, by the time we get into the summer of this year, we may have a new governor. 
Because, you know, if you guys don't, because if you guys, in case you guys don't know, this isn't the first time California in less than 20 years, in less than 20 years, has done a, has had a recall effort against the governor and had it successful. The last time they had a successful recall was in 2003 with Gary Davis, and he got removed because he wasn't running the state the way he's supposed to, and I think there was other reasonings too behind it. And the person that was elected in to replace him was Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator himself, who got dubbed the Governator because he became governor of the state of California. So, the, so basically what that means is before this year is out, even before the summer, like I said, we could end up having a new governor. And like I said, many candidates are lined up, like the mayor of San Diego that I just mentioned, among many others that, you know, county-wise, state-wise, you know, county-wise, city-wide, you name it, that are ready to step up and take over as the governor of this state uh, to basically fix what Newsom damaged in their eyes. But yeah, the, um, but yeah, basically, you know, long story short, as I said, the recall Gavin Newsom effort has reached um, over, by the time you watch this video, over 1 million video, um, 1 million view, uh, 1 million signatures, I'm trying to say, 1 million signatures, not views, signatures. Sorry if I said views earlier, I meant signatures. But it's reached over 1 million signatures, and it needs less than 500,000 more to be a success. And I'm sure financially, they get any more financial contributions down the line in a big way, that'll help even more. But yeah, the recall effort has reached 1 million, if not by the time you watch this, over 1 million signatures, and all it needs is less than 500,000 to be, you know, made official, and to get the mid-year mid elections up and running, and the potential of a new governor, you know, put into place. But that's all I'm going to say for the sixth and final topic, guys. But yeah, but again, that's all I'm going to say for the sixth and final topic, guys. Let me know what your thoughts on it in the live chat, in the comments. And I'll be back. Okay, guys. So that's going to do it for this edition of Topics on My Mind. True, it wasn't a live stream like I normally do. But as I mentioned, I don't know what's going on lately. I'm guessing sometimes when the computer loads, you know, especially certain pages that it knocks the connection out and has to restore itself or something or there's interference from other parts of the area where other people are putting in their internet and that's kind of causing interference i don't know what it is i mean i followed all the protocols to make sure it works and it looked like it worked a little bit but again i think it might be just interference all around you know we're getting some new people moving in around the area so that might be a con contributing to it but anyway, though, guys, thank you all for watching this Topics on My Mind for today, the 11th of January, 2021. Sorry if I rambled a little bit doing some of those topics, as well as it, you know, kind of seemed like I may have stared off into space or blanked out or something like that. I was trying to think about what, what I was actually trying to do was think about what I was going to say, seeing as though I don't go by a script or anything like that. I just go off the top of my mind or whatever comes to my mind, if you will. But, uh... Again, just wanted to do this video for you guys, and uh, not video, but wanted to do this topics on my mind for you guys uh, a little differently than I normally would. 
again, let me know what your thoughts are on some of the various topics I talked about, you know, in the live chat as well as in uh, the comment section down below. Thank you all for watching. Really appreciate it. I am basically now, let me check something real quickly so I can kind of give you a real life update. I am basically right now, according to real time updating live by YouTube, I am at 10,763 subscribers. So if I can get to 15,000 before the summer, if not doing before the spring, I would really appreciate it. But yeah, basically that's where I'm at right now, 10,763 subscribers. And I currently have in the last 48 hours, 4,956 views, almost 50, almost 5,000 views in the, in 48 hours. That's pretty impressive. So again, guys, thank you all for watching. Let me know what your thoughts are down below in the comments and in the live chat, as well as go to uh, my channel, which I will pull up here. In fact, I will show you. Sorry for the clicking there. Just put it on the highlight so you can see. But go to my channel here and scroll down. Go to the about section that I just did here. And when you go to the when you get on the home page, which is probably more than likely this, uh, scroll over to the about section. Click on that. Then scroll down. You get some information here. And then right here is the links to some of my other content as well. The Brian's discussions are the links to my various um and the Brian's discussions, the Brian, BW Roses, iHeart, um, the BW Roses Applecast, the Brian Walmers Patreon, Daily Motion, and my main BW Roses discussion, which I think, um, let me check, let me see what that one is. It's Anchor.fm, okay. But mainly, all these here, the, the BW Roses discussions, Brian, BW, the BW Roses Discussions, BW Roses uh, iHeartRadio, Brian's Discussions, Brian, BW Roses Apple Podcast, and the main BW Roses Discussion are my are the uh, links to my where you can listen to my audio podcast at various times, which you'll probably hear an audio version of this as soon as I get the chance, as well as here's my Patreon. It's only a dollar a month if you guys want to contribute uh, to my Patreon right here. And here's my Vimo channel right here, as well as my Daily Motion, and other um, and basically uh, and, and basically those are just the other sites as well. As well as I do have I have my DeviantArt, which is linked somewhere. Um, I have to find that somewhere <laughs> um, as well. But again, guys, uh, thank you all for the support so far going into this year. Let's hope let's make it a great year for this channel. And uh, that's all I can say. Again, support me in my various locations for, where you can find my content. Um, my Patreon might get a little bit more active this year because I am considering uh, following the footsteps of people like Pat Contraire and uh, Brian Zane and all that that do Patreon-exclusive Q&As that later on they upload to YouTube or make public to YouTube. So again, check out the Patreon. $1 a month to contribute. That's all it is. And again, check out my various uh, podcast locations that I showed you. And that's about it, guys. So till next time, take care. God bless. Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for your support. And I am out.